That's some high quality H2O. Welcome back, squatties, and hello to all you new thoughties. This is episode nine, and today we are joined by a certified health coach, a registered dietitian, and a yoga and meditation teacher, all in one person, as we sit down with Rachel Serino of Green Bee Wellness. We get into all those topics and much more in a great interview with her coming up, but first, as always, the most interesting thing we heard this week, Gabby, what do you got for the listeners? So this week, I stumbled upon an article about being our most authentic selves. So when Mm. we talk about that, the word authenticity, authentic, I feel like it's come up a lot in recent years, right? Yeah. It's just been, I hate saying buzzword, but it's another buzzword. Yeah. But this article kind of goes into how we get locked into our own narratives, meaning what other people have told us what we are, whether that's you're a yes person or you're an overachiever or you're the favorite child, whatever that narrative is, we've been taught to believe that since they started saying it. It becomes part of our identity. And it becomes part of our identity. So then is that you being authentic when you're being that person around those other people because that's what they see or is it not? So reading this article really made me kind of step back and think, huh, Maybe, maybe I'm not. When I'm around this person, I'm, I'm more of a yes person. When I'm not around this person, I'm, I am. Well, Gabby, I, I think you're pretty authentic. But, oh, well, um, thanks. But thanks. I, I do think it's good to maybe reflect on that every once in a while to question right. it and to just do a little self-eval. I think especially growing up, we don't really know who we are yet. And we, we don't. We kind of right. think that at some point it'll click and yep, we'll, this be, is who I am. we'll be a grown up. Yeah. And really, we're learning to be grown ups. Every single day. Everyone's just figuring it out as we go. Yeah. And that just steps into learn every day. Don't stop learning. Learn about yourself. Learn about others and take it from there. And I think that's how you kind of build authenticity and just just learn and grow from it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something that deep down inside you feel what you're doing, what you're saying, your actions are reflective of how you truly feel or if they are influenced by... expectations or others right right what you've been told so i think it's good i think that's great to that you read that article and had to think about it but so yeah we challenge you squatters to look in and ask are you being your most authentic self yeah or are you being a big fat phony yeah (laughs) and if you are that's okay just realize it and you know try to change it up let's see just, I think what a big thing for me always comes back to, do you practice what you preach? Are you doing the right. things that you... And that's been a big one for me is right. practicing what you preach. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah. So cool. that was what I heard this week. Ricky, what about you? The most interesting thing I heard this week was from the documentary, the Netflix documentary, Game Changers, uh, which is a, it's been out for a few years now. It's a 2018 Netflix film advocating for a plant-based diet and i know we've talked about plant-based nutrition here um, a little bit but one of the things that got my attention was not just that it featured a lot of information but there were some really big names especially in the sports and fitness world oh like who uh uh, arnold schwarzenegger the the governator the the austrian oak uh so he was on there talking about plant-based and there was a lot of professional athletes 
some lesser known athletes, ultra marathoners, people who aren't household names, but also a lot of professional athletes that I have heard of. Uh, and it was also directed by James Cameron, who okay. you might know from Titanic. Yes, sort and of Avatar. legendary. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal. Kind of. But they made a lot of claims, some of which I had heard before. Okay, like what? Uh, mostly about the direct health effects of meat versus plant-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very what, controversial topic. Right, what it does to your endothelial function, the lining of your blood vessels, your cardiovascular health blood pressure, cholesterol, all those things that we've heard a bunch, but they also dove into a wide array of other things, including athletic performance, including the quality of proteins, which I had always heard and correctly so that animal proteins are complete proteins. They have all the essential amino amino acids and plants are not, they're incomplete. So you Mm -hmm. need to Supplement. uh, supplement them with each other. But they even dove into how meat versus plant affected testosterone levels. Oh, wow. At one point, they did a study, or I shouldn't call it a study. They tested a small sample and compared um, erections. Ah. And there was some interesting feedback from that. Okay. But yeah, uh, they, they went all across the board. I mean, hey, that's a health topic, really. You know, I think it's <laughs> it's more so to, to get the men's attention uh, you know? more than anything. But the first thing I did was hop onto Google and, and start, start trying to research checking. some yep. of this for myself because people can make claims, especially anything that's a documentary is obviously going to be skewed. Yeah, a little biased, right? You know, there's, there's, ulterior motives perhaps for some of the people presenting the information Absolutely. companies and and financial interests that they have in mind including james cameron who is a founder and owner of a pea protein company i think it was so kind of keeping that lens on it being a little skeptical of the findings but also just wanting to kind of do my own digging yeah and i think some of the things that a lot of people in the scientific community pushed back against was things that they were presenting as research or scientific studies were more anecdotal than they were rock solid research. Right. And there just hasn't been enough time to study the effects of these on a larger sample size. Right. But the one thing that nobody was able to dispute and one of the things that I found most troubling mm-hmm. was the impact that farming and the agricultural system is having on not just our health, yeah. but the environment, the, world. the yeah. amount of land, the amount of farmland that livestock uh, production utilizes, mm-hmm. and an absurd amount of water it is. that goes into creating each pound of beef that yes. you enjoy at dinner time. Yeah. But going back and thinking kind of how the whole food chain works and mm-hmm. just thinking about it from a broader standpoint, mm-hmm. cattle graze on grass. So that the energy from that grass goes into the cattle, yeah. cattle grows and then gets slaughtered and processed and sent to us, us to eat. eat. So yep. like that energy from the grass is two or three steps down the line now yeah. of getting into our bodies. Right. So maybe just looking at it from that standpoint, not the most efficient system. Right. And That's with with the other impacts that it's having on the environment, it, it said the only other factor that was even close in comparison to not just greenhouse emissions, but global impact on the environment was the transportation system. So yeah. all the cars, all the buses, all the trains, Lands, all trucks, the yep. boats, all the planes, gasoline, all of that is equal to 
the livestock and agricultural Isn't that crazy? footprint, which is wild. We realized this, my boyfriend and I realized this fairly recently, and he has just completely stepped back on, I just really don't want to eat beef and meat products as much as we used to. And not as much, for me, it's not even so yeah. much from a health standpoint. No, it's, it's an environmental standpoint. It's yeah. just understanding where your food is coming from, yes. what the process is, what the, the fallout is from that. Yeah. And I'm not don't get me wrong. I'm not just going full vegan. I'm just no, trying not to incorporate more plant-based options, options yeah. into my nutrition. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I did really appreciate was the quotes from Bruce Lee that they referenced. Uh -huh. Because Bruce Lee combined elements from a bunch of different martial arts mm -hmm. and kind of made them his own and, and in a very effective way. Mm -hmm pieced together what he found was the best of each thing. Yeah. So one of his quotes was, research your own experience, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. Oh, and I, I think like that's that. good advice across, for no the, board. across the board, no matter yeah. what we're doing. But especially with this, uh, I know I'm going to be doing a little bit more critiquing of my food options and sure. maybe just, you know, mixing in a few more vegetables. I think we all need that. Once we in all, a while. we all need more vegetables, more greens. Absolutely. Yeah. Always, always, always. So Perfect. Gabby, we got a new segment for the listeners today. We sure do. We are going to be talking about pet peeves. So this is your chance to vent, to pet, go off. Pet peeves in the fitness and wellness industry. Yeah. Just to clarify, if we talked about other pet peeves, we'd be here forever. So, we have a lot of them. We have a lot of them, as most humans do. So, Gabby, what are your pet peeves? What are you thinking about? So, I'm a personal trainer. I have a background in exercise science. I'm becoming a certified health and wellness coach. Sort of dedicated my adult life to health, making myself healthier, and making those around me healthier because I give a hoot about all of that stuff. So, in an effort to keep myself healthy, I have joined a different gym just because I like to work out at a gym that I don't physically work at. Yes. And I don't feel right when I'm at the gym and somebody has, they're performing exercise with incorrect form, but I'm not the one on staff there. So am I, am I supposed to tell them that they are having poor form and I need to fix it? Or are they going to think that I don't know what I'm talking about and I should, I shouldn't help them and I shouldn't interrupt. That's my pet peeve is that you don't know that I know what I'm talking about. And are you going to feel silly if I come up to you and try to correct you? That's the pet peeve. It's like this whole little area of, I feel weird. <laughs> Can we just isolate that yeah, clip? I, I feel weird. I feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> I feel weird as a trainer. No, I get exactly what you're saying. Because it's it's hard. You don't want to. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Right. But you... I also don't want you to break your back if I'm watching you break your back. Right. There's a reason that personal trainers have jobs. Yes. It's because not everybody knows what they're doing. Right. And that's what we're there for. Yeah. But until they come to you, until they come it's to really me. hard to, right. to impart your wisdom, yes. impart your expertise yeah. onto them. So, yeah, I totally get that because it's... And it's happened multiple times at multiple gyms, multiple fitness areas, and in public, wherever. And you're not wrong in feeling weird about it because yeah. a lot of people are very resistant, They're resistant to help yeah. until they ask for it. Right. And so you have to be mindful of that, but you also have to look out for the greater good. And 
Right, right. And I mean, I'm not wearing my bachelor's degree across my shirt. Maybe I should now. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get it printed on a <laughs> t-shirt for get you. Get a tattoo yeah. degree on exercise Gabby's science. first tattoo. John, my arm. Maybe that'll be it. We've been discussing if what tattoo get, I should get. If Maybe we get 500 downloads, Gabby will get this tattoo on her Yeah, a BA of exercise science on my please, arm please make this happen share this oh my god share this episode terrible <laughs> ricky what are your gym pet peeves um my or fitness biggest health. pet peeves are mostly seeing people do the same thing over and over again just because that's what they've always done and quote, i think it, unquote it goes that's back further than even your own experience it goes back to generations of well this is what we do we do setups because that's what works the abs someone asked me that the other day uh they they go gabby you know i gotta get into workout routine you know whatever and i hate doing sit-ups i go so stop doing sit-ups right well that's what i've always done well, well, how's that working out for you? Clearly, you're miserable and aren't working right. out because you feel like sit-ups are awful. You, you no, and, you do not have to do a sit-up. When's the last time you did a sit-up? It's been a long. I long haven't time. done a sit-up in like five years. It's not, it's, it's not g- great for There's, my back. No, sit-ups are bleh. plenty of other better options, but I think we have to be careful of falling into the same pattern. Kind of what you alluded to earlier with the just the authenticity. Look at that. Full circle. Yeah, we're just looping everything in but we get into these patterns and and one analogy i heard was if you took a sled to a snowy hill and went down the hill over and over again eventually you would create these grooves and eventually over time you would it would be impossible to go down that hill without falling into that groove and you just it's a repeated pattern that we never question we never stray and i think again we just have to question ourselves question question our own ideas and behaviors and yeah. and really see and make sure what we're doing is the right thing to do i agree yep. big pet peeve so yeah that pet peeve is that's a big one it's load it's a loaded pet peeve yeah. yeah now let's kick things over to our interview with rachel serino we now welcome on rachel serino rachel thank you for joining us hi thanks so much for having me guys i'm excited to be here we're excited to have you so you are a yoga instructor, a registered dietitian, a certified health coach. Uh, have you always been this lazy? Can you... <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of health professionals are focused on one specific area, but your background is so well rounded. You even offer a twelve week program called Mindful that blends yoga, nutrition, and mindfulness. You know, I feel like those things work best together, complementing each other. So how do they work together from your perspective? You know, for me, when I I first kind of started within nutrition, right, and the yoga and mindfulness piece kind of have gathered along as I've like continued throughout my career and just even using those things personally. So it's not like I all of a sudden was like, all of these pieces are really important to health and I totally get it, right? Like it wasn't like this light bulb moment, but it's been this like slow evolution as I think it is for everybody. So I, you know, first started with nutrition as a dietitian, and, you know, you begin to quickly realize when you're only working with people on food and nutrition, well, food and nutrition doesn't stand alone, right? I mean, you're, you quickly learn, you know, talking to hundreds of people that there's all of these other components to their health. 
you have to take into consideration. And so it's nearly impossible to help someone work on nutrition without touching on things like stress or, you know, how they feel about physical activity, how they feel about their bodies in general. I think it's not just helpful, but it's like imperative that we incorporate all of those things together, you know, which is why I kind of have professionally moved into like the yoga and mindfulness space and health coaching as well to kind of blend all of those pieces. And especially with, you know, intuitive eating, which I, I know we'll probably talk about, you know, if I'm helping someone become an intuitive eater, I, I feel like there's a lot of different routes someone could take to learn how to be more of an intuitive and natural eater. But I think that to get there, one of the best routes is mindfulness because mindfulness and yoga being a mindfulness practice, right? It just helps you really connect with your body. And I feel like that's an essential piece that a lot of people are missing when they're trying to eat better. How are you actually connecting with your body? And can you tune into the foods that you're craving? Can you tune into what, what foods are not making your body feel good? You know, whether it's immediately or in the long run. So yeah, I think it's key to kind of work in all those pieces. So that's absolutely what the that program is meant to do is to incorporate all three of those components of our wellness. I love that. I'm glad you brought up intuitive eating because that was something you mentioned when we first spoke. And that's something that can be so personal and so specific to each individual person. Can you give our listeners just a, a quick description of what intuitive eating means and maybe an example of how that might play out in their nutrition? Yeah. So intuitive eating, if you're not familiar, it's a term actually that's been coined, I think, originally by a couple dietitians in the 90s. I know the uh, cover but, of the book you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a book called Intuitive Eating and Evelyn Triboli, I might be pronouncing her name wrong, um, and Elise Resch, they are the dietitians that created the book and like they've really pushed this whole concept forward. But for me, what intuitive eating means is to eat for both pleasure and for nourishment equally without guilt and without obsession over food. So that means eating foods that you know are good for you and making you feel good without obsessing about the calories, obsessing about the macronutrients, you know, obsessing about every little thing that you're putting into your body. I love that. Yeah, I think that makes great. perfect sense. But a lot of people might think about working with a registered dietitian and expect a meal plan laid out for them bite by bite, you know, meal by meal. And that's not what you do, right? You you kind of coach them in a different way. So how does that work? And why doesn't meal plan work in your mind? The way that we make progress without those strict food rules is to set positive goals. So we focus on like, what can you add into your life? What foods are we going to add in? And again, what routines could we add in? And let's focus on those. And the person then can guide it rather than me telling them exactly what to do. And they're going to feel more, more committed to what they're working on because they've been involved in the process of creating it, you know, not just me, again, telling them what to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I did a little snooping around your blog and <laughs> I found a quote that I really loved. You said, you can't restrict your way to balance. Mm -hmm. And that hit me and I'm just like, yes, that's, that's it. That's it. So explain what you mean by that. You really did your homework before this interview. That's great. <laughs> to me, again, diet culture, right? And a lot of the methods that people 
strive for when they're trying to improve their eating patterns are ultimately all focused around restriction, whether it's restricting the time that you're eating or, or the types of foods that you're eating or the amount of food that you're eating. When people are striving to improve their eating patterns, ultimately, they're always kind of going to these different forms of restriction and punishment sometimes too. You know, they think about trying to change their eating patterns and it becomes like this form of punishment. And ultimately, you can't restrict your way to balance because number one, it's only going to cause greater imbalance, if anything, because it's, you know, really destroying that relationship you have with your body and with food. And 90% of diets fail. It can actually just create more imbalance by destroying that relationship you have with food. And it's not enjoyable, right? Nobody wants to be on a diet forever. We want to enjoy food and live our lives with food not being the focus. Most people think about nutrition, they think primarily about food. But hydration is also something that we are really big on. I know you are really big on as well. And the amount of people that walk around all day dehydrated without is a sip of water staggering the numbers so what message are people missing with water and, and hydration intake i think it might be more of the lifestyle piece and maybe if someone does know they need to drink more water they don't know how to just go about it in this really realistic way you know i mean i don't know if you guys ever are working with someone who like their new goal is to carry around like a gallon of water with them you know <laughs> And I don't know, is that realistic? Like, I think there's these these small ways that we can make changes. This kind of comes back to that connection with your body, you know, and not knowing when you're dehydrated too. They blame headaches maybe on something else when it's like just- When really you just should drink some dang water. <laughs> yeah, or even, even just general fatigue. It's so easy for someone to think they just worked long hours, they're burnt out. But sometimes just general fatigue can even be solved with just some water, you know? It brings me back to grade school. You had to ask to go to the bathroom and you had to ask to get a drink from the drinking fountain. Yeah. You had to ask permission to go get a sip of water. And I think that not just our generation, but the generations above us never drank water all day growing up. Yeah. As adults, they don't know how to implement it. The other thing with that though, too, is I think that people are so often over consuming drinks that are dehydrating them. And that's the other piece of it, right? Is they're drinking way too much coffee, energy yep, drinks. Coffee's a diuretic, yeah. Yeah, and sugary drinks too, which is also going to dehydrate you. Um, alcohol. Alcohol, yeah, yeah. Alcohol. I mean, we're taking in everything else but just regular water that's going to solve well, And people so don't even know that, that some of those drinks are dehydrating them either. Exactly, yeah. They don't even know. We've also discussed plant-based diets, plant-based eating on this podcast. Actually, earlier this episode, we dive into that a little bit. But there's also a nutritional component to yoga that includes promoting plant-based dieting and eating. Yet, we're, we're still so reliant on animal, livestock, and, and meat consumption. So break that down for us. Like, What do people need to think about when they're deciding between getting their food from plant sources versus animal sources? And and what's your lens on it? Because you've got the yogi and the, the nutrition background. Yeah. So I, I should share first that personally, I haven't been eating any sort of meat products since I was like 17. And I went about it more from like that ethical standpoint, you know, and then of course, like most people, depending on which side, you know, you go into 
plant-based eating on, whether it's like for the ethical side or nutrition, you tend to learn the other side, right? So I went in on the ethical side and then you kind of learn like, oh, this is actually, this can be a really, you know, healthful way of eating. Now, of course, it, on the other end of that, it can also be not very healthy, right? I mean, you could be, I think, vegan or vegetarian and still have just as terrible a diet as someone who is eating meat. But we also know that there's so much research you know, that's behind even pescatarian diets, you know, and regular vegetarian diets and vegan diets. If you're doing them, you know, well, I mean, they can be so beneficial, you know, in so many ways. I don't, you know, I would never shame someone for eating meat. I think everyone has to find a way of eating that, that fits for them personally. I think the biggest thing with meat eaters is learning good quality, you know, animal products. I think that's number one. And of course, not everyone's going to have access to those foods, but for those that can do it, right, I think that getting good quality meats, even if you could do it locally, you know, and organic, that's even better. And that's great. And just knowing where your food's coming from, right? It's one thing to know about your fruits and vegetables, but it's like, hey, we also have to know about where are these, all these different animal products are coming from too, just to be empowered consumers. And as far as like blending this, I think with this intuitive eating piece, is is that if if you're not doing a plant-based diet i think either for the ethical reasons or environmental or something i think it can be really hard to stick to and it's just going to be another diet i think there's so many benefits like i said you know and i would i would love to see a lot of people go in a more plant-based direction but if you're not really in it mentally and you don't like truly believe in those principles it's just going to feel like another diet so you really want to go about it um, not just from the health perspective. I think that's a great like way to go into it. But I think you really need to feel really solid about what you're doing if you're going to do it because you don't just want to like, restrict yourself, right? Otherwise, you're just restricting if you're not like truly genuinely in it, you know, for all the right reasons. And that, that kind of goes with exercise too, right? If you're not right. in it for the right reasons, you're exactly. just going to quit again. Exactly. You're going to start on Monday again. Right. And, and the other thing to add, too, is like as far as the health component, if someone is interested in improving their health and they're like, you know, I think either going vegan or vegetarian could be really good for me. That's great. Maybe don't, try to avoid giving yourself the label. You know, I think it's At fantastic first, yeah. if someone was going to eat less meat for so many reasons, I'm going to be like, yes, right? Because in America, we're generally eating way too much meat. But again, I don't want to go about it saying okay, just completely cut everything out because I just, right. for most people, most people, it's probably not going to be realistic. So instead of just giving yourself that label, just focus on doing less meat throughout the week, you know, and incorporating more plant-based meals and just start there, right? Again, come back to the positive goals. How can you just include more good nutritious plants and plant proteins that maybe you weren't having before? And how can you just do more of that? And over time, coming back to the mindfulness connection with your body, you're probably going to feel really good, you know, and if it really suits you, then you're going to feel more positive reinforcement to keep going with it. And it doesn't need to be all or nothing, like you said. And to Gabby's point, same thing with exercise. It doesn't need to be I'm in the gym five days a week or not at all. You know, start small, start with one day a week, yeah. maybe make, one, making some changes. Yeah. One that, meatless Monday. One, yeah, whatever meatless Monday. There you yeah. go. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, Rachel, I purposely saved this for the end because I still feel like it's something we need to 
sort of sneak in uh, rather than lead with. But meditation is also one of the disciplines that you offer professionally. And I think some people may still be resistant to trying it out. But if you've got a 30-second pitch to convince someone on why they should start meditation or consider it, what it can do for them, what do you tell them? I think this is a great topic or a great thing to talk about and even end on because so many people out there probably overlook meditation and what it could do for them. But really, when it comes down to it, getting quiet is the best form of self-care. Think about all of the self-help types of things that are out there, right? The podcasts, the books, the movies, like all of it. It's such a big thing now and it's awesome, you know, when we're talking about just self-care in general and improving ourselves. But in reality, I think most often we just need to get quiet. <laughs> Again, it, it comes back to that connection with your body. We're so disconnected um, and there's no better way to just like reconnect with yourself and be able to really feel into how am I feeling physically, mentally, emotionally, and what do I need right now? You know, there's no better way to do that than with something like meditation. I always frame it for people like it's like going to the gym for your brain. You know, sure, we can get physical activity in a lot of different ways, you know, like throughout the day, but we go to the gym or we do an, a specific concentrated exercise to keep our bodies strong. And meditation is the same thing, right, for our brain. Like we can, we can practice all these other mindfulness techniques, but really like meditation is just getting to the core of it, right? Um, it's really exercising your brain. And I think more than ever, you know, we've, we really need it um, because we're so overstimulated. I mean, there's so much anxiety out in the world, anxiety, depression, sleep issues. Um, and meditation is something that can really help um, a lot of people with, with those issues. It might not be perfect, right? It might not be the main only thing that you need, of course, but it can definitely be a really helpful piece of your, you know, personal journey. Well, and I think a lot of people maybe have some misconceptions on what meditation is. They think maybe you're sitting around in a circle chanting and a lot of times it's just giving yourself permission to rest completely. Uh, there's a, a term that I like that my yoga instructor used called profound effortlessness. I like that, yeah. I mean, we're so high energy all the time, so focused on what happened yesterday or what we have to do tomorrow that we kind of lose that present moment. And mm -hmm. I mean, taking it back to balance, just in general, the balance to action is rest. The more action mm -hmm. you have in your life, the more rest you need to to balance it out. And I think that's something a lot of people aren't getting enough of. And maybe they think meditation isn't what they need, but really um, it is. So how do we how do we make meditation more accessible? What, what are the key? I know headspace is out there, things like that, that are becoming more prevalent. Well, and I'm so glad you brought up the, the whole topic of they probably have this other idea in mind of what meditation is, right? Because that makes it less accessible, I think, when when there's like this misperceived idea of what it is. And yeah, meditation isn't sitting in a cave. It's not being this like enlightened Buddhist. It's not religious, you know, it's really just that space. And, you know, I have to touch on this. Like when it comes down to it, meditation isn't about quieting your mind, which is what a lot of people think. You know, it's not sitting there with a completely blank mind. 
your mind will think, you know, your mind is built to think and it will wander when you sit there and try to meditate. And the goal isn't to just sit there in silence, but the goal is really to notice when your mind wanders, you know, and every time your mind wanders, you bring it back to that point of focus that you're using in that meditation, whether it's guided or whatever. And every time you bring it back, that is the meditation. That's like doing reps, you know, like if you're working out and you're doing, you know, like curls or something, every time you're bringing your mind back to the point of focus, that's like doing a curl you know, for your brain. Um, it's working that mindfulness muscle, what is, you know, what it comes down to. So I think that's really important to know if you're skeptical of meditation or you've tried it before and you've thought like, I'm terrible at this. I just can't quiet my mind. You know, everybody says that. Everybody says that. You're not bad at it. That is the practice. Otherwise, we wouldn't need it. You know, if you sat right. there with a quiet mind, then, uh, you know, that's amazing. I don't, <laughs> you win. Yeah. You win. You are enlightened. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, the point is we need it. Right. And I, I've heard, you know, meditation isn't to control your mind. It's to not let your mind control you. And I think we get down these rabbit holes where we fixate on something or we're analyzing something or, or judging and even our own thoughts, our own reactions. And just taking the moment to, like you said, notice when you're getting down that rabbit hole, pull yourself out of it just for a moment, and then let that process start all over again with a new thought. And the better you get at it, the less time you spend spiraling yeah, down that rabbit hole. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, to answer your question about how, how do we make it more accessible? Well, number one, I think that's a key piece, right? It's just breaking down that barrier first. Um, of what it is. And yeah, nowadays there's um, so many guided meditations out there. And that would be the place that, you know, I would recommend starting is with a guided meditation. And a guided meditation just means you have a guide that is uh, taking you through what to do, similar to like a yoga class, except you're not really moving. And you could do it lying down or sitting, just however you're comfortable. You know, there's meditations on YouTube. Like you said, there's apps called Headspace. My recommendation would be to try a lot of different ones because there's so many different forms of meditation, as I'm sure you're aware, like there's so many different types, right? And you have to kind of find what you connect with, what makes sense for you. And actually, I just started a meditation group. It's free and it's virtual every Friday at 7 a.m. I just thought it would be a good space to just invite people to kind of build community and welcome like anyone who's new to meditation or if you know, you're someone who's meditated before, but you just want to keep with it and kind of keep accountable and do it more regularly. Yeah, I love that. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we let you go, tell the listeners where they can find you, your social media, your website, all that good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So my, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really do anything on it. <laughs> so you yeah, can find me same. on Instagram <laughs> at uh, greenbee underscore wellness. And then my website is greenbee-wellness.com. And that has all my information about my, my programs and services. I have the program that you mentioned in the very beginning, Mindful. It's a 12-week online program. And then I meet with individuals one-on-one. -on -one. So if you wanted more personalized help, you know, I do individual sessions for uh, nutrition and, you know, mindful and intuitive eating, but then also uh, yoga as well. So I teach at some local studios um, and I also do private lessons. Yeah. And then I have my meditation group 
so I think that's I think that's everything. <laughs> Go check her out uh, at greenbee underscore wellness on Instagram, uh, greenbee-wellness.com. Rachel, thank you so much. This was a blast. I feel like I could talk to you <laughs> for hours. We, we're going to have to have you back on to talk about more good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. This was great. That's a wrap on episode nine, but fear not. We'll be back in just a couple weeks with even deeper thoughts. Until then, follow us on Instagram at TrilogyCLE and at DSDTPod. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your friends. Let's get Gabby that tattoo. As always, until next time, stay hydrated, fam. Peace.